It seems that since we're recovering from, out of, you know, in this pandemic, we're starting to come out of things here. We see the recovering, uh, you know, whether it be social, um, or economical, we've got backlogs everywhere. No doubt about it. Uh, word of the day could be backlog and the immigration refugees and Canadian citizenship Canada reported that the backlogs have increased to more than 2 million uh, applications across all categories last month. Here to talk about it, Lev Ambramovich is immigration lawyer with Ambramovich and Churn and he joins the Kelly Cotrera show. Welcome, Lev. Hi, Kelly. How are you? I'm good. Good to have you back. Now, um, backlogs, we, we're no strangers to backlogs, especially because of this pandemic. But what factors have led to and are contributing to this backlog that we've got in immigration? Right. Well, I'd like to first perhaps distinguish between backlogs that are tried to or tied to supply chain disruptions, which are understandable. And the type of backlogs we're seeing at IRCC where, you know, right now most applications are digital and RCC is dealing with very significant backlogs uh, in terms of inventory that they have to process that's permanent residency work permits citizenship uh, applications and uh, they're affecting the applicants but they're also affecting the Canadian economy because it's taking you 12 months to get the worker that you need to ultimately grow your business you're facing a real issue so there are costs on top of this beyond just, uh, you know, the cost of waiting so long and the investment that you put into the applications. There are costs to the economy. Cost to the economy and uh, cost to the people, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, we've now helped many clients get their applications um, finalized by way of federal court proceedings, essentially taking the government to court. And in speaking to people, uh, I do this pretty much every single day you're seeing real sort of costs that are perhaps not uh, as publicized or, or not perhaps given enough media attention to. People are stuck in limbo. They were promised six months in terms of processing. Uh, they perhaps have sold their property. They've made uh, financial decisions based on that expected processing times. They can't take the, the, the next step in their career. Uh, property values were rising, so they were looking at higher sort of costs in terms of uh, if they were to acquire a home here. And then certainty. Uh, most of all, that sort of anxious uncertainty is just sort of really hard to translate and really, you know, hard to put into numbers. But that is, I think, the number one issue that I'm sort of hearing from clients. They're tired. They're frustrated. They don't understand why their applications take in 30 months. Like, you can build a right. condo in 30 months. The average wait is about 27 months. Is that That's, that's unreasonable. Is that unheard of before yeah, the pandemic? Yeah. That, that there are different classes of applications. So we sometimes play a game. Like what, what, what will take longer if you ask a person to process an application that was submitted online and is entirely electronic or to build a condo in Toronto? Well, apparently for certain classes of application, for example, federal skilled worker applications currently take about 27 in some cases over that time. So that, that's one class of application. That's an economic application, a spousal sponsorship. Uh, we've seen cases into 40, you know, over 40 months. Imagine being separated in some cases from your significant other. And how long has this been going on? Or is this, was, is the pandemic, uh, has it led to this? Well, the pandemic, I think, has exposed what, what I would call an archaic structure. And, and IRCC and the new minister are certainly trying to do a lot to fix this. But the pandemic, I think, has exposed a structure that just was not ready for 
21st century. It was still de- relying on consular posts. It was relying on this sort of system that made sense in the 1960s and we really never re-examined. Uh, so I think the pandemic is pushing IRCC to digitize, to modernize. Uh, but I think a lot of this is actually structural and not necessarily pandemic-related because the pandemic certainly caused, for example, microchips shortages and things like that. Supply chain disruptions, but here we're dealing again with electronic applications for the most. But are are we dealing with uh, maybe more demand then? I mean, with the war in Ukraine and um, you know Afghanistan, uh, you know people from Afghanistan trying to uh, seek refuge here in Canada. I mean, there's a lot of unrest in the world. Is that leading to the backlog? There's, there's certainly more demand uh, in, certain, in certain cases with respect to, for example, or it's not even demand, it's just Canada, you know, trying, for example, to help Afghans and, and the Ukraine program. But some of the backlogs were, were created not because we were really prioritizing Afghans. It was because, for example, at a certain point, only 20% of certain consular posts were operational and computers were not issued to workers. So there were no remote work arrangements. Now, to me, that's a structural issue, not necessarily a COVID issue. Mm-hmm. Um, there is certainly more demand in terms of humanitarian applications, and Canada has tried to do its part, and, and we commend that. But I'm hoping that this backlog and the media attention and, and the crisis, in a way, will lead to a deeper structural change within IRCC that will really match Canada, um, Canada's, I guess, living standards and what Canada offers in terms of its immigration policies. But how do we modernize it if you've already got virtual applications? It seems like it's heading in that way, and we still have... Uh, a backlog that seems to be, uh, in some case, there are people uh, that are actually taking the immigration, refugees, and Canadian citizenship Canada uh, to court. Uh, well, how do we ma- modernize it? I, I have a few sort of basic ideas. I think we should rethink the consular post sort of structure, i.e. where if you're applying in India, your application will be processed by a consular post in India. I think very little is, is offered, or there, there, there are very few advantages to that system. I would build bigger centralized application processing centers right here in Canada, creating jobs, perhaps uh, placing those centers in areas that, are, that, that need economic development. Um, there's also something to be said about real-time tracking and transparency. We can introduce better, better tools to deal with that so that applicants have a rough idea of when their application will be finalized. And the other thing is maybe make it less politicized. I mean, immigration is a very politicized area, and sometimes ministers are under pressure to meet targets, and perhaps they're investing more into numbers than they are into structure or considering the impact of some of the decision-making on people. And with respect to taking the government to court, so this is an interesting development. We've done, I think, close to 200 of those cases now, where essentially people who are stuck in limbo are filing an application in the federal court referred to as uh, the Rito Mandamus. Uh, and that, by, by way of that application, they're asking the court to order IRCC to issue a decision. Not a positive decision, necessarily, but to issue a decision. And we've seen tremendous success with that, I think, in part because it immediately focuses IRCC's attention onto a file, and we've been able to reunite families, to allow people to transition to citizenship, to ultimately uh, get work permits issued and so on, and and it's been mm-hmm. it's been good to do, but at the same time, it's completely unnecessary. No, nobody should be hiring a lawyer to get something that they were promised by the government after twenty or thirty months of waiting. 
Sure, there's a lot of people that want to make Canada their home, and I I don't blame them. It's one of the best countries on the planet, if not the best. And, you know, you can understand why people want to live here. And so hopefully these backlogs um, end up clearing quickly. Lev, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Kelly. Have a great day. Lev Ambramovich is an immigration lawyer with Ambramovich and Churn.